back to Atlanta and Super Bowl 53. And now to introduce the AFC and NFC champions, here is public address announcer Alan Roach. Now, let's meet the New England Patriots. time no talk um you know for those who is just list, who's listening to the podcast right now you got to open with you know the great first couple 20 seconds of crazy train intro and then just to put it up a little further i went to the youtube and i got the opening intro of the 2018 super bowl you know all also bringing us back to that highlight of Mr. Tom, young man Brady, whooping Patrick Mahomes, boy, Mahomes, boy. So you know, I thought, I thought, I thought people would really like like to hear that. You know, any thoughts? I don't think you're doing this for that. <laughs> but we are gonna have our. First ever live calling our brother, our boy Bobby Thompson at nine twenty. He's gonna call in. Um, James James will do that, and he'll ask Mike a couple a couple of Patriot questions. So that will be exciting. And if you guys don't know who our guest is, my man, you know he covers this team that plays in Gillette Stadium. That's the New England Patriots, my man Mike the Batter. And, uh. You should tell him that Logan Ryan is my favorite player. Well, <laughs> if he was so good, he still wouldn't be a free agent. So, how, how about that? How about that? Um. But, my man Mike does some great, great stuff. He's the managing editor of FPC Patriots, host of. He's host of LO Patriots, Locked On Patriots. There you go. So that's so that's a very good podcast. If, if you're not listening to that podcast, you know you should listen to that podcast. It covers all all great Patriot stuff. You know God's team, the best team out there. And and truly, I I just have to say, if you're not a Patriot fan, okay. Like, like, let's just say you're a Giant fan or a Jets fan. I don't know. But if you're not a Patriot fan, what are you doing with your life? Like, have you made it yet? Have, are you really doing anything in your life? 
James, could you imagine not being a great Patriot fan? Can't relate. <laughs> uh, I I can hear the loveness already. Mike's ready. We're about to start getting this. Let's go! Well, first of all, Mike, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and coming on with us. Oh, anytime. My pleasure. Um, you know... Hey, Mike, what's going on, man? I'm James on the other half of the sports tubes. James, like I said, guys, absolutely a pleasure. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Um, when when I book guests, you know, some sometimes weeks in advance... You know, I'm I'm excited for every guest, of course. But when I get to talk all things Patriots, that gets me really, really excited, and uh, and and then it's even more excited because literally maybe a day before I I DM'd you, the Patriots just made a little bit of news. And, Mike, who did the Patriots sign? <laughs> uh, one, Cameron Newton found his way to New England. And, you know, folks, this is one that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. But once you realize what the Patriots and Cam Newton were able to work out, for the team, obviously, uh, a huge deal. Uh, there's no question about it. I mean, this was not only a team-friendly deal from a financial standpoint, but it was also a great logistical fit. And the more we're seeing of Cam in New England, the more we're seeing him work out with guys like Mohamed Sanu. You saw him work out with Nikhil Harry yesterday and today. He's even throwing passes to the rookie uh, tight end, Devin Asiasi. He looks like he's doing all the right things, all the things necessary, and everything he needs to do to win and to compete at a high level. Uh, any concerns about his shoulder, any concerns about his foot, don't look to be too bad right now. I mean, I like what I see out of Cam, and to me, I just think this has a real chance to pay a lot of dividends for the Patriots on the field and even off the field this year. Here's here's my thing, where which I think Bill will have to change just a little bit, right? If 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 it's if it's let's say it's third and six, right? And Bill wants Cam to throw it in the middle of the field, but he sees he sees nothing that's definite, and Cam takes off. But let's say he's just one yard short. Do you think Bill will be okay with that? I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, don't forget, you're putting the ball in very capable hands when it comes to either making a pass or touching the ball and running with it and extending plays with his legs. One of the things that I think the Patriots saw an opportunity to develop when Tom Brady decided he was going to move on and head to Tampa Bay is the Patriots were finally going to be able to incorporate those RPOs, those run-pass options, that you see teams like the Baltimore Ravens and even to a certain extent a team like the Kansas City Chiefs employ with guys, mobile quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. You see these guys do it on a regular basis. I think the Patriots had an, uh, an opportunity to do that this year. They were going to try to do that when everyone assumed that Jared Stidham had been given the keys to the kingdom and that he was going to be their starting quarterback this year. With Cam, all of a sudden, that opens wide up. If, like you said, with a third and six, if Bill Belichick is if you see, they're a few yards short, and all of a sudden Cam has the ball in his hands, 
He doesn't have anything to do in terms of making a pass play. He has the ability to roll out, alleviate the pressure in the pocket. He can make his reads. He can make the throw, the easier throw, if that's what needs to be done. But if there's nothing there, he's definitely adept at being able to take the ball and run with it and get yardage. I don't see him falling short that often in a situation like that, simply because he's just so good at it. And it's something that I think the Patriots will be able to read well. Don't forget, their offensive line picks up on that very well. Josh McDaniels is a very good coordinator. He's going to know how to maximize Cam Newton's progress in that uh, position. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I I think the world didn't see a lot of Nick Hill Harry last year. Part of that was because he obviously only played half the season, right? So so by the, by the time he was in there, Tom was just like, you know what, it's push time. I got to go with who I know. So how important that Nikhil Harry picks up the slack and it's just not to leaving it up to Edelman and Sanu. Yeah, this is going to be a big year for Nikhil Harry without any question. And I think the fact that you're seeing him emerge as a very uh, prominent um, uh, battery mate, I guess is the best way for me to put it, with Cam Newton, is something that doesn't surprise me at all. Look, Nikhil Harry has a tremendous amount of upside. I think everyone that saw him play in Arizona State when he was drafted last year in 2019 by the Patriots knew that this was a kid that could play on the outside. He could go up, get contested catches. He's big, he's a physical receiver, something the Patriots hadn't had in quite a while. He never was able to develop synergy with Tom Brady, and you mentioned that very nicely. A lot of the reason for that, like you said, was because he was hurt for most of the year. He missed time during his um, he missed time during his training camp. He missed time during the preseason. He missed the first half of the regular season. And you can't expect to develop a relationship with a quarterback, especially one like Tom Brady, who is so predicated on pinpoint accuracy. It's just impossible to do that. I think Nikhil having a full training camp to work with the, uh, with Cam, develop that type of relationship that they're going to need is going to pay dividends, because this kid can do it on the field. I watched him in training camp early on last year before he was injured, and I was very impressed by what I saw. He's not afraid to go up and get the football. He will definitely fight back with some of the more physical corners and physical safeties, and even a linebacker or two if they drop back in coverage. He's not afraid to go after these guys, so that'll be a big year for Nikhil, and I look for him to come out on top this year. I think it's going to be a big year for him. And staying with Nikhil, and and this could even help him, being that we have Stephon Gilmore, who's arguably the best cornerback, if, if not easily top three in the NFL right now. In practice, do you think it would help Nikhil if they stick Gilmore on him all the time and not rough Nikhil up a little bit? Just make it hard to where this is what you're going to see in potential big series. Oh, yeah, without question. I mean, competition rises to the level of its competition. If you give someone the opportunity to go against the best, it's going to bring out the best in them. So I'm all for putting a guy like Stephon Gilmore on Nikhil Harry in training camp. Let them battle it out. Let them go at it. Nikhil is going to see a lot of top play corners this year covering him because I believe he's going to be a very good option for Cam Newton and one that Cam is going to look to often. Believe it or not, I also look for, you know, for guys' physical safeties, maybe even like a Juwan 
Williams was a physical corner, uh, very similar to like what Brandon Browner was a few years ago when he played yeah. in New England. These guys are not afraid to mix it up. They'll get in your face. And Nikhil Harry loves that. He loves the competition. I heard Herm Edwards, who was his coach in college at Arizona State, talk extensively about Nikhil loving the competition, loving a little bit of the fight. He likes when these guys fight back a little bit. So, yeah, I think you'll see Gilmore go on him. You might even see J.C. Jackson cover him a little bit. Uh, but I think you're going to see maybe guys like Juwan Williams, maybe even a safety like a Kyle Duggar, believe it or not, or even someone maybe like a Patrick Chung, give him a little bit of uh, of feedback and maybe even a little bit of pop in that lineup. I think it's going to bring out the best in Nikhil, and I think it's going to allow him to grow and really grow into his potential. Uh, missing the time that he missed last year, I think the kid had a little confidence problem toward the end of the year. I think they'll fix that and rectify that quickly by putting him up against the best possible competition. And then a low-key a low key wide receiver who I think got a little attention last year but not major is Jacoby Myers. Do you, do you think he'll step it up this year? I think he will. I think in a lot of ways, and I don't mean this as a knock to Jacoby, who I watched in practice all year last year and all during training camp, all during preseason, and I was so impressed by what I saw. Uh, I kept projecting him as someone that was going to make the roster. He eventually made his way onto the roster, and I think he deserved to be there. I also think that maybe what we saw in preseason and in practices last year might have been a little bit over-embellished. And again, I don't mean that as a knock to Jacoby because I really like his game, but I think you'll see him take a step forward this year. Is he going to be a wide receiver one, or is he going to be a major factor in getting yardage and being a big, prolific target on this team? Probably not. But he's a good, solid number three, number four option on this uh, team. And uh, believe me, a lot of teams would really give anything to have that type of talent that deep in the wide receiver core. Uh, Jacoby, again, is another guy that can run around well. He didn't do a great job of that last year. I think a lot of it was just inability to be able to work out a uh, chemistry with Tom Brady. But again, I think you're going to see this kid be able to emerge. We saw him develop a pretty nice uh, chemistry with Jared Stidham in the preseason last year. If he can get open on the outside, even has the ability to slot in and even play the slot at times, uh, I think he's somebody that could find himself open more often than not because of the fact that people are going to be paying more attention to a uh, Julian Edelman, obviously, a uh, Mohamed Sanu, Nikhil Harry. Myers may find himself open more often than not. If he's open, he can make things happen. That could lead to a pretty decent season for him. I'm really glad you mentioned Jared Stidham. And I'll, I'll be honest, before Cam, I thought, hey, 4-12, and 12, maybe 5-11 and 11 season, right? Being that we got Cam, do you think he, he feels like, oh, you guys don't think I can do this? Or do you hope that maybe it will make him want to try to play better and try to earn that QB1 position? I think it's going to be more of a ladder, to be honest with you. I don't think Jared is the type of guy that's going to hang his head and sulk. Look, it's not as if he's being pushed off for another option or a rookie. Uh, I think that may have shaken his confidence a little bit if the Patriots decided they were going to draft a quarterback, bring someone else in. I think Jarrett would have probably figured, well, why don't you see what I can do? 
they're bringing in Cam Newton. This is a former NFL MVP guy. He won the MVP in 2015. He took his team to the Super Bowl. This is one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy. So I don't necessarily think it's going to shake his confidence. I've gone on record several times by saying that I don't believe them bringing in Cam Newton was an indictment on Jared Stidham. I think the Patriots saw two things when it came to bringing in Cam Newton and maybe demoting Jarrett into the QB2 position. And again, folks, I'm not saying that's going to happen. According to everything that I've heard from people close to the team, this is going to be a legitimate quarterback competition at camp this year. I think all things being equal, if both Jarrett and Cam are playing to the ultimate, the maximum of their ability, I don't see how Cam loses that quarterback uh, uh, competition. But at the same time, all of a sudden, Cam became available because of his price. <laughs> the Patriots were finally able to afford him to get him under the salary cap. Patriots have been tight against the cap all offseason. So the fact that he was willing to sign this deal made it a no-brainer for the Patriots to bring him in. The other advantage that Jarrett to having a guy like Cam Newton on the team is that it's been a very tumultuous offseason. It's been a shortened offseason. We haven't had OTAs. We haven't had many camps. We haven't had any type of organized team workouts or even the rookie camps that allow teams an opportunity to kind of develop those relationships with one another. It's an awful lot to put on the shoulders of a quarterback that took 14 snaps last year total in the regular season to have him come in and say, okay, you're going to succeed the greatest quarterback that ever played the game, and you're expected to lead the Patriots to the, uh, the, the playoffs. It's a lot to put on someone's shoulders in a normal season. In a shortened season, because of the uncertainties that you have with COVID, I, I think it actually makes uh, a lot of sense to have Jarrett maybe sit behind Cam one more year, see what he can do, and then you may be looking at a different uh, you know, competition maybe next year at this time. But that being said, if Cam performs at a high level, all of a sudden, the Patriots have a hell of a decision on their hands because you don't want to necessarily let Cam Newton walk out the door if he's still playing at a high level. If he's willing to come back next year and they do have the ability to franchise him, don't be shocked for the Patriots to do it. Um, it it's, this could end up getting interesting. But uh, I think Jared is going to take this in stride. I think he's going to take it as a challenge. And I think it's going to bring out the best in him. Now, the one thing I didn't like that Cam did in that Super Bowl was fumble, just standing there. He didn't try to cover the ball. You know, he just basically watched. Do do you think he would do something like that again? No, I I don't. I believe that uh, hearing what I've heard from Cam's camp and people that I know that are close to him, uh, that bothered him significantly for a long time after that Super Bowl. It wasn't something that he simply just shrugged off and just said, hey, you know, I did what I did and that was it. It bothered him that he didn't react in that fashion. Look, it's a big stage, guys, and no one knows how they're going to react on that stage until they're actually in it. Am I defending it? No, absolutely not. You're the franchise quarterback. You see a fumble, you dive on it. Simple as that. But it shouldn't be something that should indict his entire career or follow him around as this is who Cam Newton truly is. He's not a guy that's going to go the extra mile. I think he learned a lot from that experience. I think he learned a lot from the media flack and the fan flack that he caught because of that. And again, he's coming to New England. Bill Belichick is not going to take kindly to guys standing around and not reacting in situations like that. You have to know coming in the door 
that the guy that you're going to be playing for is definitely not going to be amenable to that. So, no, I don't expect anything like that again. I think you're going to see the absolute best from Cam this year because of the motivation Bill Belichick provides, but also the self-motivation that Cam has. He's motivated to prove a lot of people wrong this year. And some and something that I I hope Cam does is right. Tom Brady was very smart with turnovers. If if he couldn't read his progressions fast enough, he he'd throw the ball away. Or or if he knew he was gonna get sacked, he'd make sure he fall down on the ball. So do you think Cam would do that? Or do you think he'd do what most players would try to do? Run? And instead of going out of bounds, he tries to take that extra yard and possibly risk a concussion. That's definitely a a concern, uh, and there's no question about it. In terms of his safety, I think Cam has become a safer player each and every year he's played the game. He plays it a little little less haphazardly than he has the year before. Don't forget, he's coming off of a foot injury. He's coming off of an injury to his throwing shoulder. He knows what it's like to have to sit on the sidelines. I don't think Cam wants to make that a regular part of the rest of his career. So I think he'll do what he needs to do to remain safe. As for getting rid of the football quickly, taking the sack when you need to, I I firmly believe that the greatest to ever do that, and the greatest really, I think, probably to ever do that will forever be Tom Brady. I've never seen a quarterback with his decision-making in areas like that being able to protect the football, avoid the sack when possible, take the sack when necessary, and also not be able to throw the ball away into heavy coverage and throw interceptions. He was simply phenomenal at that. You can't expect any quarterback, whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's Jared Stidham, anyone that comes in to be able to do it as well as Tom Brady. I will say this, Cam is a much smarter quarterback than I think a lot of people give him credit for. They get lost in the ooh-ah factor of watching this guy run and be able to make these athletic plays that we haven't, quite frankly, we just haven't seen that much of here in New England. I mean, say what you will, Tom Brady, I think, is one of those phenomenal, and to me, he's the greatest of all time. But he was limited physically with what he can do. Cam doesn't have those same physical uh, limitations. He can pretty much do it all, but he's also a lot smarter than people think he is. So I think he will be able to take sacks, understand the importance of throwing the ball away as opposed to maybe tucking and running a little bit further, trying to extend plays when he can't do it. I think he'll be smarter. And, folks, I think Josh McDaniels is going to help him a lot in that regard anyway. Uh, Josh is a very, uh, you know, he's – He's a bold play caller, but he's also a smart play caller as well, and he knows the difference. He's coached Tom Brady for a number of years. You have to figure that's going to be part of the preparations going into this year. I agree. Um, we're, we're doing something that we've never done before. We have a friend. His name is Bobby. He's a big Patriots fan, just, just like me. So, James, you're going to call him, and then Bobby's going to ask you a couple of questions. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, Nick, explain what's going on. All right, so Bobby, we are here with Mike Debata. Um, so ask ask him a couple of questions. Introduce yourself, and yeah. What? What's going on, Mike? My name's Bobby Actually, so sure. so since we signed Cam, how long do you think that we actually want to touch with him? Because I know that we were the only team 
other than the Browns to show interest. So how long do you actually think that we were really in touch with Cam? I think there were probably few. Hey, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think there were probably a lot of feelers that were put out very shortly after we found out that Tom was leaving, believe it or not. I think what happened is Cam had a price in mind. He had a number in mind that he believed he could get on the open market once he knew he wasn't going back to Carolina. And I think it was essentially a little bit too much for the Patriots to handle at that point. They knew they were going to be tight against the cap. They knew that they were going to have difficulty. They had already... Uh, placed the franchise tag on Joe Tooney, which is $14.78 million. That's a lot for an offensive lineman. Albeit, I think Tooney is the most talented offensive lineman on the team, so I don't believe that that's money gone to waste. But I think they looked at Cam as someone who intrigued them, but was just out of their price range. All of a sudden, as Cam remained on the, uh, the, the free agent market for a number of weeks, all of a sudden... That price started to drop. His demand started to drop a little bit. And I think at that point, it came together at a moment where the Patriots knew that they had the ability to sign in. They knew they had the room to sign in. And I think Cam was willing to come in and prove that he could still do it, that essentially he wanted to prove wrong all of the teams that passed on him and believed that he wasn't going to be the same player this year, including the Carolina Panthers. So I think there probably was contact right along. From what I'm hearing, there was significant interest from the Patriots in a guy like Cam Newton. I know Josh McDaniels has long uh, admired his abilities on the football field. Even Bill Belichick has gone out of his way to praise Cam Newton each and every time that they play. Don't forget, Cam Newton has never lost a game against the Patriots. He's one of the very few quarterbacks that has it. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick MO is if you can't beat him, join him. He's done it several times. Guys that have hurt the past of that end up coming in, and they end up playing well for him. So uh, I think there was interest, and I think they were probably in contact, but it really didn't come together until just a few days before the deal was announced, simply because it just became the right price at the right time. And that, that brings a smile to my face, because it's just a perfect fit, and from what you're saying, that he basically was, he wants to prove people wrong. That reminds me of how Brady was when he was drafted to us and he was mad that he got drafted 199th overall. He had that chip on his shoulder. I love that. I think he's going to play motivated, and I think he really looks healthy this year, too. I know we all saw him in workouts with Sanu, which is big, and now Nikhil Harry. But I think this year, I think, you know, he's going to surprise a lot of people. Oh, I agree. I think he will surprise a lot of people. He's already surprising me. Look, the day that he was signed, I loved the signing, and I, I really am excited to see Cam Newton in New England. But the thing that worries me is the shoulder, the feet, the injuries that he's had over the course of the last couple of years. You look at the time he's missed, and I said to myself, I just hope he's healthy and he can come in and play. The more I'm seeing in these videos, and guaranteed, the videos are designed to make it look better, folks. There's no question about it. Right. But from what I'm seeing, he's, his shoulder looks sharp. He looks his feet, his footwork looks pretty good. Uh, I'm not seeing any red flags that would lead me to believe that he's in any way ailing. And for lack of a better term, he passed his physical. So the Patriots obviously are comfortable with his physical stature coming in. And when you take a player with the talent of Cam Newton and you put that little chip on his shoulder... All of a sudden, that allows him to play at a whole new level. I'm glad that you mentioned Brady. I think that was a great comparison because Tom had a chip on his shoulder pretty much his entire career. You don't think that number 199 bothered him. It bothered him big time. We saw 
so many times, whether it be in interviews or the ESPN documentary or him constantly playing that underdog card. And I think you're going to see him play that down in Tampa Bay as well this year. I think Tom is going to be playing with a chip on right. his shoulder too. But that may be a conversation for another day. But with Cam in the fold here, he's highly motivated to show these teams Hey, look, you thought I was done. You thought I had nothing left in the tank. You essentially left me out on the scrap beat. I'm going to come in. I'm going to show you what I can do. I'm going to, with a talented team, with the greatest coach in the NFL, I'm going to show you what Cam Newton's capable of doing. To me, I think it's a perfect storm for him to have a great season. And barring injury or any unforeseen circumstances, I think he's going to have that team in the mix this year. Absolutely, I agree. I know my uh, my other question to you um, is, so the other day the Patriots reworked the deal with um, Rex Burkhead and gave us more cap space. Do you think that this move, I know basically we need, during the season, we need cap space if someone gets injured, we need to sign somebody, but do you think that it's, I find it kind of coincidental that they did this and... Uh, a certain tight end by the name of David Njoku got uh, requested a trade, and his cap number, if he got him out, wouldn't be as high. Do you think that's one of the main reasons we did that? Uh, we worked a deal for Rex uh, Burkhead? Uh, from what I'm hearing, I'm not extremely optimistic on the trade to Njoku. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, because I think if history's taught us anything when it comes to the Patriots, it's expect the unexpected. And right now, they could work it under the cap. I mean, they have approximately a little over $1.2 million in the cap and cap space available. That's after now that Cam's deal is official. That's after the Rex Burkhead reworking. I still think that they're going to try to re- rework another couple of deals. Uh, I know the deadline coming up to sign Tooney to an extension is uh, July 15th. It's coming Wednesday at 4 p.m. I think they're going to try to do it, but if not, they are stuck with that one-year franchise tender. That's a pretty big cap hit. At that point, I think you may see them turn around and maybe go to Dante Hightower or maybe even a Stephon Gilmore and ask for them to maybe rework and, and free up some cap space in that regard. And both of those guys are amenable. I expect at least one of them uh, to work with the Patriots in that regard. But with Njoku, I think in a lot of ways what the Patriots might be handcuffed with is Njoku's desire to sign a long-term deal. I'm not sure the Patriots would want to commit to a long-term deal with him right now. I think they want to see what he has on, on the field and be able to uh, to see how he's going to fit here. Now, the wild card in all this is Cam Newton, and the thing that keeps this deal alive in my mind is that Cam is very predicated on going to his tight ends. Greg Olson was probably his most prolific target when he was in uh, in Carolina, and they had a great relationship, right. and they had a great working, uh, you know, back and forth. There's not a lot of NFL ready-made talent at the tight end position on the roster right now. You're dealing with two rookies, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. I think those two guys have the the ability to be very good tight ends in this game. I'm especially uh, impressed by what I've seen with Keene. Asiasi, I'm very impressed with. I really like this kid a lot, but I expected him to be the type of prototypical tight end that, that everyone expects him to be. I'm impressed by what I see with Keene. I didn't expect him to be as further along as he is right now, and I think that'll continue in the training camp. But 
Actually, for those two, you have Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo. Uh, one of those guys is most likely going to be cut. And then that's pretty much it. You don't have any other talent at the other uh, position. So Najoku's going to have to come in and prove to Bill Belichick that he's willing to buy into the system, uh, that he's going to be able to hang on to the football. He had some issues in Cleveland of being able to do that. But again, he is that type of NFL ready-made talent that Cam Newton loves to throw to. So if... You know, if, if the Patriots feel it's in their best interest to make that trade, then they absolutely will do it. I agree with you. I think the timing is interesting of the Rex Burkhead, uh, you know, deal. So we'll see. We'll see if the Patriots still have one more trick up their sleeve. I'm hearing they're cool on it, but again, keep a sharp eye because no one really knows for sure. Now, do you think that this year, do you expect... Muhammad Sanu, he's healthier now. Do you expect him to be much better this year than he was last year? Yeah, absolutely, without question. And look, uh, you want to talk about guys with a chip on their shoulder. Mohamed Sanu was playing with one as well. Look, in a lot of ways, I think Sanu was very disheartened by the way the season ended for him last year. He came in, had one very good game with Tom Brady, and they looked like they were on their way to becoming a pretty good uh, quarterback-wide uh, receiver combo. And then all of a sudden, Mohamed Sanu suffers the high ankle sprain, and he was just never the same player throughout the entire year. He never got the time to work with Brady in practice. He held up on a lot of routes. Uh, he wasn't extending for the ball. He wasn't reaching for first downs. A lot of people were really on him about that. Uh, media and fans alike up here in New England kept saying that, oh, Sanu, he's just not reaching for the first down. He's not going that extra mile. Oh, he's giving up. It wasn't the fact that he was giving up, folks. He was in pain and significant pain. I think that ends this year. And I think Mohamed Sanu is out to prove to people that he's still that very good number two, maybe even at times number one option that he was in Atlanta. Uh, obviously, he was never really the number one in Atlanta. You have Julio Jones. He's going to be your number one every time. But at the same time, I think Sanu showed a lot of promise to be able to be that, that second option uh, that was really uh, you know someone that could work for Matt Ryan. Uh, his ability to work with Cam Newton is something that I'm really looking forward to seeing. And you're already seeing these two work out together. So, yeah, I look for big things out of Sanu this year. It's going to be a big year for him. Now, in your opinion, do you think that the Patriots' defense this year could be just as dominant as it was last year? Because I know at the end of the year it kind of fell apart. I don't think the secondary fell apart. That's our that's our anchor on defense. That's the strength of our defense. Do you think that this year we, uh, you know, because we lost Kyle Van Noy, we lost, uh, basically lost all our linebackers to Miami, and... <laughs> Do you think, yes, yeah, so uh, do you think that the defense can replicate what they did last year? Uh, replicate is going to be difficult. Uh, in terms of the secondary, I agree with you. That is the strength of this defense. They will be just as good, if not better, than they were last year. Uh, I love the addition of Kyle Duggar to this uh, secondary in the safety position. This kid is versatile. He's tough. He's NFL ready. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he's a rookie. Uh, he's not going to be relied upon heavily to carry the load. That's why I expect big things from him, because you still have Devin McCourty. You still have Patrick Chung. These guys can make plays. And all of a sudden, you slot in Kyle Duggar as the third option in that safety room. And now you've got a guy that can slot in, move up, play that hybrid linebacker position if you need him to, or come back and play a traditional strong safety. So I really like the way this team is constituted. Their cornerback position is as deep as anyone in the league. Uh, you start off with Stephon Gilmore. He is the unquestioned best corner in the league 
league as far as I'm concerned. J.C. Jackson, a solid number two. I think a star in the making, and I really like what I see out of him. Juwan Williams is going to be a good option this year for them as well. Uh, Jonathan Jones is still very productive in the slot. I like what he's bringing to the table. And a guy that they added in the secondary at the safety position that not a lot of people are talking about, but I covered him when I covered the Los Angeles Chargers a few years ago, and that's Adrian Phillips. Phillips is going to be a special teamer. He's going to be a guy that's going to do a lot of great things alongside um, Matthew Slater and Justin Bethel. But Phillips can line up anywhere on the defensive side of the ball. I've even seen him line up in the defensive front. He's lined up at the edge and even in some of the interior positions at times. That's how versatile he is. So look for him to make an impact in the, uh, in the defense. The line is definitely going to miss Danny Shelton's presence in the middle. Bo Allen, I think, is a nice addition. I think he'll do a serviceable job. But that is a regression, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, I do like the corner positions, uh, or the two side positions, I should say, on the interior defensive line. Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, as formidable of a, of a tandem as you'll find. I think they'll take a big step forward this year, and I look for big things from them. Uh, the defensive uh, the edge and the linebacker positions, to me, are going to be uh, a coin toss. Um, I like the linebacker uh, additions that they've made with guys like Josh Uche coming in. Uh, he's, he's my favorite out of all of the picks that the Patriots made. I think he's the most NFL-ready. He's not the prototypical linebacker that Bill Belichick is used to employing. He's not that big, thundering uh, you know, linebacker. He's a little more undersized, a little quicker off the block, but this kid can play, and he can get after the quarterback, so I really like what he can do. Chase Wynn I expect to take a big step forward, uh, but to me, they lack a little pop on the edge. Uh, John Simon is a very good player, a very serviceable player, but he's not an explosive player, someone that's going to lead the league in sacks. Um, guys that might be on the roster bubble this year are people like Dietrich Wise Jr. and Derek Rivers, guys that have had a couple of years to try to prove themselves in this system. Uh, they're facing a big training camp. They're going to have to come out and play very well in order to earn their way onto this roster. But it's going to be a younger linebacking core, a younger defensive end core. So I look for them to regress a little bit, but I wouldn't worry too much. They're still going to be in the mix of the best defenses in the NFL. One, one more last question I have for you in regards to this. Next year, the Patriots' salary cap situation will be a lot better than it was this year, definitely. Do you expect them to be big spenders like they were in 2017 when we signed Gilmore more to the big contract? Do you think that one of the top free agents developed yeah, I mean, I think they have a shot. I, I really do. I think that, in theory, they're clearing up this cap space for a reason. I mean, you don't usually just carry cap space for the sake of carrying it or saying, I have this much available. You want to use it to maximize your ability to put the best football team possible on the field. Now, the wild card in all this, guys, is going to be the COVID-19 pandemic. What that's going to do to the cap, the cap may be significantly reduced next year because of the lack of revenue that the league may take in. If the league is unable to put any fans in the stands at all, or if they're very limited in terms of the revenue that they bring in, that will affect the cap. So keep an eye on that. That's the wild card and something that nobody knows uh, what will happen right now when it comes to that. But all things being equal, if the Patriots do have significant cap room next year, yeah, I can see them taking a look at some of the uh, the players in the league. Uh, Bill Belichick loves his defensive Mike, Mike, hold, hold, hold on for a second. James, I, I think you got disconnected with Bobby. Oh, 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 okay. 
Ignacio. Essentially, what I was going to say to you is, yes, I do expect them to be active in free agency and use the cap space to their advantage. But again, nobody knows what's going to happen with the salary cap when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. Teams may not have the revenue that they have in consistent year after year because they're simply not going to have the fans in the stands or maybe the, uh, the merchandising revenue or any type of intake that they're used to having because of the lack of fans or the lack of maybe even regular season games. We're hoping that there's going to be a full 16-game slate, but we've already seen preseason reduced from four to two. So that's the wild card. Again, nobody knows what's going to happen. They may end up having a full season. They may have no revenue issues, and the cap may end up going up as it does each and every year. But if there's a reduction in cap space, the Patriots will adjust to that accordingly. But if they have significant room, yeah, I think they do uh, dip their toe into the free agent market. Uh, they may look on the offensive side of the ball for help. Uh, that cap space may be utilized to sign Cam Newton to a long-term deal. If he's successful right. and he has a great year, I wouldn't imagine the Patriots wanting to let him walk out and take his services elsewhere. They're going to want to lock him up. Uh, the other option is always on the defensive side of the ball. Do they extend out Kevon uh, Gilmore, make him a Patriot for life or whatnot, or do they invest in the secondary or maybe in a linebacker or a defensive lineman that can help anchor that team for a number of years? They're compiling that space for a reason. They'll definitely utilize it to the best of their ability. Uh, I thought um, before um, before we continue, I just want to say quickly, um, no guns tonight. He can't do it. He will reschedule. I just got to I just got a update from him. But continue, guys. <laughs> I uh, I'm praying. This is uh, with that cash space, and you see who's free agent, a uh, free agent next year. One name that pops up to me that hopefully can happen that I think would work well. I think Joe Zosa would be work well in a Patriots uniform. I think he could be that pass rusher the Patriots are looking for. I, for one, would love to see that. Again, fellas, I covered the Chargers a few years ago, and uh, Bosa was one of those guys that just leaped off the page every time I watched him, every time I would critique him during games or watch what he was doing. I found myself watching more and more film on him. Uh, he's one of the most explosive pass rushers in the league. He's also one of the most heads-up pass rushers in the league. This is a guy that has an innate... Uh, knowledge of where the football is and where players and people need to be at all times. Uh, he's the real deal. And again, I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, is Los Angeles going to do whatever they can do to try to lock him up long term? Yeah, you would have to think so. But that organization and that front office has not always pulled the trigger on the right deal at the right time. So if he's out there and he can be had, I can't imagine a player of his magnitude not wanting to at least take a long, hard look at the New England Patriots and playing for Bill Belichick. Again, folks, I have no inside knowledge on this at all. It's simply my opinion, uh, but I would agree with you. I think he'd be someone that the Patriots would take a long look at, uh, and I, for one, would love to see him in New England, but I think there's going to have to be a lot that would need to be worked out in order for that to happen. But from an on-field perspective, yeah, that would be a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, and I know um, I said before my last question, I actually have one more for you. Um, earlier this year, I did an interview with Ian Eagle, and I, and I asked him if he was shocked that Brady left, but he said no. Um, 
Now, in New England, was, I, I was told by him, because he obviously went in meetings before the game, days before the game's going to practice, he said that in 2018, he knew, he sensed that Brady wasn't happy. Do you think that, can you sense too that Tom Brady just, for the past two years, just was not happy in New England, like he knew his time in New England was up? You know, it's a tough question to answer, and obviously, I mean, Ian is as dialed in as anyone, so I definitely uh, defer to him on that, but in terms of my own uh, thought process, I was always in the camp that Tom Brady and the Patriots were going to do everything that they could to work out a long-term deal and make sure that he was a Patriot for life. Uh, I was surprised when he left, but the more I talked to people that were close to the organization, people that are close to the Brady camp, and there was an element of unhappiness there. Now, I'm not saying that he was disgruntled or that there was a big-time rift between him and Bill Belichick. I can tell you a lot of that was embellished uh, for the sake of a media narrative rather than being the actual reason for Brady wanting to move on. But I think this did start in the, the, uh, the uh, before training camp in the 2019 season when the Patriots did not extend Tom Brady longer than that. They essentially went year to year. They developed this type of deal where it would expire in March and he would be willing to go and become a free agent. I think that rubbed Tom the wrong way. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm not giving him any type of, uh, you know, guff for, for feeling that way. If I were in his shoes, I would have probably felt the same way. At the same time, you look at it from a Patriots perspective, and we're in uncharted territory here. Tom Brady is 43, you know, and it's, it's going to be a very difficult, uh, you know, thing to predict about how he's going to progress from year to year. Guaranteed, there is no one at his age that has taken better care of himself and looks in better physical condition than Tom. I fully expect him to have a great year in Tampa Bay, but at the same time, yeah, I think he felt he had something to prove. I think the Patriots felt that this was their time to move on. And, and in a lot of ways, I think it was just the situation where the two of them amicably decided to walk away. And, you know, if... I've heard that if there was a little bit more effort on the Patriots' part to reach out and prove to Tom that they wanted to make him a part of the team this year, then things could have been different. Uh, I'm hearing from the team that Tom really wasn't open to a lot of what they had to say, and they didn't feel that anything that they did in advance of free agency was going to change that. So maybe this was just the way it was meant to end all along, but... Uh, it's been a hell of a 20-year ride, and there's no one that can deny uh, what the uh, type of magic that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady brought to this franchise. I always wish Tom well in Tampa. I hope he wins every game, except for if he plays the Patriots. So we'll, uh, we'll see what, uh, what he does down there. But, uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, my long-winded way to answer your question, I was surprised, uh, but I wouldn't go as far as to say I was shocked, especially a couple of weeks in advance of Tom's announcement, I really started to hear stuff from the Patriots camp that I just hadn't heard in the months or the weeks prior to that. Um, I, I almost saw it coming as, as we got closer to it. It's still surreal to me. And Nick is a diehard Patriots fan, too. It's, it's still to me, I'll never forget the day he posted on Twitter and Instagram his goodbye to the Patriots, and I, I, I was like, uh, is this a joke? And it, to me, it's still, I'm, I, to me, I'm moving to Florida in two weeks. It's to Tampa, actually, coincidentally, so I'll be able to uh, see him down there. Now, I'm definitely not going to be uh, 
wearing any Tom Brady Buccaneers jerseys. I'll be wearing my Patriot, my Patriot Brady jersey because to me, in my opinion, I feel that Tom's heart is always going to be in New England when he retires, whether it's whether it's this after this season or next season. I I fully expect him to come back and sign a one-day contract and retire with us as the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, I think that's a foregone conclusion. I think the way things ended, uh, you saw the statements by Robert Kraft, even by Bill Belichick himself, laud Tom Brady for everything he's done here in New England, uh, proclaimed him to be the best quarterback of all time, which I definitely agree with. Yeah, watching, seeing those social media messages was definitely a shock to the system for any Patriots fan. But don't forget, he's the titled one of them forever a Patriot. So, yeah, he's going to be in Tampa Bay. Uh, he's going to be, you know, down there with, you know, with the Buccaneers this, this year and next year, likely. Uh, but when all is said and done and it's time for him to walk into Canton, I think you'll see him sign that contract, the one-day contract to retire a Patriot. It just seems to be the way it's destined to happen. Absolutely. And this year, I will say, I think that this year you're going to see the, the goal is the same. It's a new team. The goal is the same. I think Bill Belichick is going to have this team ready to go, motivated. I think adding Cam Newton adds a different dynamic to our team than if Jared Stidham was going to start a quarterback. I'm really excited for us to see what they can do. I, I I'm, I'm telling you, if he, if the one thing that's going to be strange uh, is seeing is being not Tom Brady at, under center. That's the one thing that's going to be, uh, for me personally, going to be like, all right, because, you know, we, in 08, when he tore his ACL, we had to deal with that castle, one eleven games. When Tom Brady was suspended in 2016, which I think was ridiculous, he should have never been suspended those four games. But that's a conversation for another day as well. Um, I true, it's going to be really, really strange to see him in a different uniform. But seeing Cam Newton under center and seeing how Josh McDaniels, in my opinion, who is an offensive guru, he really is, works well with quarterbacks. I think that him in our system is going to be really, really fun to watch. I agree. 100% I agree. And I think that uh, Newton coming in gives Josh McDaniels the opportunity to incorporate the RPOs like we said earlier. It gives him the ability to have a quarterback that can not only air it out and throw the deep ball with the best of them, but also be able to run and extend plays with his legs. It's a good fit. Uh, Knowing that you're moving on from a guy like Tom Brady, it's wise to change up the offense a little bit and let you know, give you know the the, uh, the the fans a chance to see a different type of offense than they saw under Brady because no one is going to run that Earhart Birkin system the way Tom Brady ran it. You're obviously not going to ever equal that. So by switching things up, I think it's smart. This is a good landing place for Cam Newton to be able to showcase his talent. Again, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, they're going to put him in the right place at the right time. I think the supporting cast around him is more than adequate. I think it's a little better than people are giving it credit for, especially when you have guys like Mohamed Sanu, you have guys like Nikhil Harry, and of course Julian Edelman to me, who is the wild card in all this. He's going to be such a calming force on the field and uh, a leadership presence in the locker room that's going to do that team a lot of good. We haven't even mentioned the running backs, fellas. There's a lot of good backs on this team that can take the pressure off of Cam, 
I love Damian Harris. I think he's going to be a very good back in this system. Lex Burkett coming back, I think that gives them a different dimension. James White is as good as anyone catching the ball out of the backfield. And if he's healthy, I think Sony Michelle can have a much better year this year than he had last year as well. So it's going to be fun offensive times in Foxborough. And uh, Cam Newton coming in definitely uh, gave a shot in the arm to this offense. Well, Bobby, that was a lot of good questions. Thanks again for coming on, brother. We always love having you. And uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for answering my questions. It was great, and hope to talk to you guys soon. Take it easy. Anytime. Yep. Take it easy, guys. And uh, hold on. Before, before you guys continue your love affair with the Patriots, there's one question I have to ask you, Mike. And it's actually, uh, it actually doesn't involve the Patriots, but it involves my guys. So. Can you tell me a little bit of background about Joe Judge and did the Giants actually make a right hire? Because Nick never heard of who Joe Judge was and until he found into a special teams um, quarter um, assistant. So can you give me a background on Joe Judge and what to expect? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, from a logistical standpoint, Joe Judge is a very good X's and O's quarterback. He's the type of guy that's going to come in. He's been described as no-nonsense, uh, you know, very uh, hard-nosed, but he's not going to come in with a tyrannical approach. He's going to be someone that's going to come in, command the respect of his players right off the bat. Uh, the special teamers and the wide receivers that he coached when he was in New England absolutely loved his approach. They loved his style. He does have a commanding presence, and... I know he's not the household name that a lot of Giants fans were expecting, but I do believe that Joe Judge coming into this team is a very good fit. He's someone that understands the intricacies of what you need to do as a team to win, not necessarily you know, the, the big play or, you know, coaching up the, uh, the, uh, the, the marquee names or anybody like that. These are intricacies that only guys that have coached in the trenches are going to be able to give you. And to me, Joe Judge gives you that uh, that capability. Uh, I, I loved what he was able to do here. Uh, he's definitely going to be missed in terms of the special teams acumen that he brought. Uh, he coached the wide receivers very well here. He's someone that's very versatile. He's coached on both sides of the ball. So he doesn't come in with a predilection to one specialty. It's not like, oh, he's an offensive guy and he's going to rely on defense to go and to be a part of that. When you coach special teams, it puts your hand in every aspect of the game. And that, to me, is where the leg up on the competition is with Joe Judge. One thing that I think that was very smart that he did was bring Nate Ebner with him into, uh, into uh, the, the Giants' fold. Nate's going to be a very calming presence in that special teams in their uh, in the Giants uh, for uh, for 2020. So I like the fact that uh, Ebner, who's played under Joe Judge now for a number of years, uh, Nate is someone that I respect to the hills. He's a great guy, just a really good person, um, and a very smart football player. So I look for Joe to be a pretty good coach in uh, in, uh, in the Meadowlands this year. Maybe he might not have that team in playoff contention year one, but he will have that team in contention uh, in short order, simply because he's just the type of guy that won't accept defeat. And the Giants, I think, found someone that's willing to go that extra mile to make sure that this team competes at a high level. And, go ahead. No, I'm just saying thanks. I, I needed that because I don't know who much of Joe Judge up. And my other question before you guys get back on the Patriots talk. Um, now, you're saying that now it goes with Bill, and I've always 
I've always been curious about this. Um, obviously, Bill Belichick comes from the New York Giants under the under the Bill Parcells tutelage tree. Um, could you um, and Bill is the greatest coach of all time? I think anyone who says he's not, you don't know football. So I guess my question to ask you is: Is the, does, does Bill does Bill get more credit? Does Tom get more credit? Is it both? You obviously cover the New England Patriots, so what goal, like, who gets more credit of, of what we call the greatest run in profession, in of the four major sports in North America? Who gets more credit? <laughs> uh, depends on who you talk to. Um, I mean, and I don't mean that as a cop-out, but uh, I think you have people that believe that Bill Belichick is more responsible for it. You have people that believe that Tom Brady's more responsible for it. I like to quote Aristotle in this situation, my friends, and that is virtue lies in the middle. I think Belichick and Brady came together at the ultimate time, uh, at the best time for the two of them to be able to succeed. I think that Belichick's prowess as a coach put Brady in the right spot at the right time to be able to succeed. I also believe that there is no one that could have carried the ball, ran harder, or done his job better than Tom Brady for Bill Belichick. So I think that there's an equal amount of uh, uh, credit that that needs to be uh, doled out amongst both of those guys. Uh, You also have to give a lot of credit to the ownership as well. I mean, you've got to give credit to Robert Kraft uh, for being able to keep this together. It's not often that dynasties are able to spend 20 years of dominance in a league that isn't built for parity. I mean, we've seen over and over again that the NFL has tried to put so many measures in place to prevent these super teams from being able to dominate the sport for a number of years. The Patriots have done it, and they've done it because they've made smart decisions. Uh, They've made the right decisions for the football team, but they put the right players in the right place to be able to succeed. And the players on the field have given the maximum of their ability. That is a lot of credit to the coaching staff, but it's credit to the players that they're able to bring in because you can have the greatest coaching staff in the world, but if the players are not able to execute and they can't give you that level that you need on the field to succeed, it's not going to happen. So, again, I I think I would say a 50-50 split down the middle, but you will find people that will give more credit to Bill or more credit to Tom based on their bias or their beliefs, but I really do believe it is is a 50-50 split. I don't think either one would have been as successful as they are without the other. I say this as a bias because I I play football, um, I play wide receiver, and I wouldn't be in the position I would be if I didn't have the quarterback throwing me, or I didn't wouldn't be there without the coach calling the plays. If coaches tell me to run the fly pattern to run this successfully, then I know that coach is putting me in the best position to utilize my skill set. So I, I get what you're saying, like players and coaches. And Nick has always been saying that, like you know, it's. You, you, can, you can have, like, the greatest coach in the world, but the players have to execute. But if you want to execute the play, you need the coach to put you in the position to execute. So I, I guess it, it really depends who it is. And the only reason why I get more to Bill is because 2008, Brady goes out with the season that torn ACL, and the Patriots still finish 11-5. Brady gets suspended for the Blake game. Patriots still go 3-1, and and you win the Super Bowl. So it's like, you get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. And there's what I say does not diminish the um, impact that Bill Belichick has or that even Tom Brady has, because, I mean, you could make the argument the opposite way as well and say, well, okay, yes, they went 11-5 and in the absence of Tom Brady, but that team 
was a 16, 17, almost, you know, almost an 18 and 19 and 0 team that uh, was just one year ago, and they basically brought back almost the entire supporting cast for one more run, which is what they were hoping to do before Tom Brady went down. So, in a lot of ways, yeah, there's a lot of credit to be given on a lot of different uh, areas, uh, but. Bill, in my opinion, is the greatest coach in the world, and I think we're going to see that this year. I think you're going to see him be able to reinvent himself and give a whole new dimension to his coaching, and I think in a lot of ways you're going to see a rejuvenated Tom down in Tampa Bay as well. So maybe that will finally put the <laughs> the argument to rest. Whoever has more success this year, I think is who's going to be the media darling in terms of who gets the credit for the Patriots dynasty, but you're never going to change my mind on the subject. I'm always going to say I think it's a 50-50 split because I think that the both of those guys are the best at what they did, and because the two of them. All right, so both both have big egos, you know. Tom wants to prove that it's him. Bill wants to prove that it's him. So I think that Kraft could have said, "Hey, listen, three years, eighty million. You know, he still might have said no. So, and and it helps Bill that that he has Cam right." Because I think it's very safe to say again that if Jared Stidham was the full-time quarterback, maybe the last playoff spot, but you you know you just said depends on who you talk to. But if one wins number seven, whether it's Brady or Bill, do you think that would get the majority to say it was that one person over the other? Yeah, I mean, from a media standpoint and from a fan standpoint, I think you're right on that. I think a lot of people will look at that barometer and say, well, whoever got seven rings first is responsible for the success of the Patriots franchise. I always, again, I'm always going to fall back on it being a little bit deeper than that. Uh, I think the, the ring count and what you're you're looking at when it comes to the two of them being more responsible for the success of the franchise, I don't think it's going to be settled by who gets the seven first, but that's my opinion. Uh, again, I'm not blaming anyone for believing one way or another. I think the national narrative will dictate that. I think they will say, well, okay, Brady won number seven before Bill, so Brady was more responsible. Or Bill wins number seven before Brady, so Bill was more responsible. I I think in a lot of ways, again, I think it goes deeper than that, but I think that will be the, uh, the predominant uh, um, storyline, no matter who gets to that level first. And I guess the wild card is, is if neither one of them get to seven, or they, they decide to, uh, to ride off into the sunset, then you're going to have that argument just linger and linger and linger. But uh, those two guys are as competitive as they come. I think one of them is definitely going to do all they can to win a ring without the other uh, at some point. Um, and they're both pretty determined. I really, at this point, uh, I think it's a coin flip to determine who's, who's more determined to, uh, to, to get that monkey off their back. So we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, this year. But uh, I do think you're onto something when you say that uh, ego does play a factor in this. I think it's, it's ignorant to think that it doesn't play a role. Me, personally, and, and a lot of people hate Patriots Super Bowls, right? But... We, we have at least 10 more years to see Mahomes. So I think Mahomes can wait a little bit. I think if this year we got a Patriots-Buccaneers Super Bowl, not only would it be in Tampa, but it truly would give us the ultimate answer to the ultimate question. Was it Bill? 
was it Tom? You have Tom versus Cam. You got Arians versus Belichick. You got you got Gronk and Brady against Cam and Edelman, right? I think that would be a highly rated Super Bowl. How do you think Bill would plan against Tom Brady in that environment? Well, I mean, the whole wild card in that, folks, is that nobody knows Tom's tendencies better than Bill. Nobody knows Bill's tendencies better than Tom. If there is any type of planetary alignment that allows that to happen in the Super Bowl this year, and again, folks, it theoretically could happen. I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell before they got canned, but all of a sudden, now you look at this team and you have to say, well, if Cam is playing at the highest level he can, it's a possibility. I still believe that teams like Baltimore and teams like Kansas City are going to be very, very tough to beat in the playoffs this year. But the Patriots have the horses to be able to do it. So if there was a situation where that could take place this year, well, I'll tell you, I don't think Mr. Mann could have scripted any better. That would be an amazing, <laughs> amazing Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it would be the national narrative. It would be the media narrative. It would be Tom versus Bill, old lion versus young lion. You'd have the whole gamut going back and forth uh, about, you know, who would be, uh, I've even heard it compared to, you know, Mr. Miyagi versus Daniel. I mean, <laughs> this would be all teacher against student. I mean, yeah. people would really, they would hype this like you can't imagine. Um, but again, at the end of the day, I think it would be a nice narrative. It would be bragging rights, but I still don't think it would take away from what those guys were able to do up in New England together for that number of years. But what a story it was made. I'd love to cover that Super Bowl. Alright, here's my last question before we do rapid fire with James. Um, let's just say, right, Cam does 32 touchdowns, 4,300 yards, gets the division, and just falls short in the title game. Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. How hard would it be for Kraft to not give Cam Newton a four or five plus year deal for, I don't know, let's just say 26 million a year. Yeah, I think it would be very tough for him to not offer him a t- that type of deal or maybe even greater. Look, I mean, you're looking at a, a situation where a Cam is a very adept quarterback. There's no question about it. He's one of the best in the league. But he's following a legend in this in this region in Tom Brady. That's not an easy thing to do at all. He is now going to be the quarterback of the Patriots in the, the first quarterback of the Patriots in the post Tom Brady era. If he can lead that team to success, like the one you just described, even falling short and maybe not making the Super Bowl, but leading them into a deep playoff rush. If Cam's motivation is to come back to New England and he's willing to say to Bill Belichick, to Robert Kraft, I want to be the face of this franchise for the next few years, Cam's only 31. He can still do it. It's not like he's over the hill or playing at you know the, the last of uh, you know what he has left. He can still do it and play at a high level. Then I think it's going to be very tough for the Patriots not to re-sign him. Again, the only wild card is Cam's health, his durability. He may look great now. Is he, is he going to look that great at the end of the season? Is he going to be banged up? Is there any type of lingering issues from the shoulder, from the foot, or possibly even a new injury? Those are always wild cards. So you have to factor those in. But assuming he's healthy and assuming he plays at the highest level he can. I don't see the Patriots uh, being able to lay off it. I think they'll take a very close look at it. And eventually, I think they may be able to work something out. All right. We're going to do rapid fire. 
I don't believe he's overrated. I think that he's still coming into his own. I think expectations that are being put on him may be a little bit unrealistic. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting him to just be uh, the, the top quarterback in the league after essentially one year of playing at a very high level. I don't think his talent is overrated. I think he's very much in line with what people say about him. Uh, one of the best talents in the league. I love watching Lamar Jackson play football. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in this league for a number of years. So now I don't think he's overrated, but I think he's he has expectations put on his shoulders that he hasn't quite lived up to yet. And I think he will eventually within a year or so. Oh, yeah, I love to on this one. And who has the most pressure this year, which which player has the most pressure this year? Any player in the NFL? Which who has the most pressure? <laughs> uh, most pressure. I'm. Um... You know what, folks? I'm going to go Tom Brady. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a lot that, yeah, there's there's a lot that, that he has on his shoulders right now, leaving New England, coming in, playing for a team like Tampa Bay. I think there's so many wagons that are circled that are looking to just poke holes in his game. And I think there are so many people out there that are dying to just dub him a system quarterback that I think he's got a lot to play for this year. I think he has a lot to, not to prove, I mean, because Tom Brady has proven his work. 10 times over, but in terms of pressure, the pressure that he puts on himself meaning, I think that's where that's going to go through the roof, and I think Tom has a lot, of big chip on his shoulder this year, and I think he's got a lot to prove so I, I I would say he's probably under the most self-pressure this year, and maybe even media pressure to a certain extent Last question um, obviously you, um, this is actually more of a personal question for you, what, what has been I'm surprised Nick didn't ask this, so I'm gonna ask you this. What was your favorite moment? Or any what are your favorite what are some of your favorite moments covering the New York Patriots? Oh, uh, probably my, my first training camp covering at Gillette, um, I was uh, profiling Dietrich Weiss, who was a, uh, obviously the defensive end, and uh, it was a little bit intimidating for me to go uh, you know, and find him and seek him out and have a one-on-one interview, but he could not have been more uh, gracious, he could not have been more uh, you know, amenable, and a very good first interview for me to be able to do, introducing me into the Patriots' feet, uh, coming you know, to a team that I've idolized since I was young, and I had experience covering the Chargers, but I was, you know, bi-coastal. I was doing that from the East Coast, covering the West Coast team, so I didn't have that personal interaction. Um, but uh, probably one of my favorite moments was being able to interview Stephon Gilmore. Um, being able to be around him in a media scrum was something that was amazing. But my favorite moment, my ultimate favorite moment covering the Patriots was a one-on-one interview that I was able to do with Matthew Slater. Uh, I've never been around an interview or ever been around an athlete, I should say, uh, that is more humble, more down-to-earth, uh, more grounded, and more gracious. Uh, he is a, truly a phenomenal human being. I root for him you know, phenomenally throughout the season uh, because he's just he really is one of the best at what he does from the special teams perspective. But he's just he is as great of a human being as people make him out to be. So those are some of my favorite aspects. Obviously, I was able to cover the team Super Bowl win a couple of years ago, Super Bowl 53. That was big. Uh, getting a chance to experience that and, and see that uh, was was amazing and, and cover a Super Bowl champion. But uh, the Slater interview is right there at the top because he's someone I've admired for so long. Fan- and, fantastic. Yeah, and um, this was a um, big one. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who won the Super Bowl this year? 
would that be, right? Patriots up 30 to 27. Buccaneers got the ball. Two minutes left. They have one timeout. That would be a very, very interesting two minutes.
crossovers coming up this week with all the hosts of the Locked On uh, Network in the AFC East. So if you want to know anything and everything about the East, we're definitely going to be talking about that soon. And, uh, yeah, you can always you can catch that on LockedOnPodcast.com as well. All right, Mike, it was a pleasure to talk all things Patriots. Thank you for coming on. Bobby texted me. You made his day. He, he told me to tell you thank you. And uh, looking forward to talking to you soon. Anytime, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. My pleasure. And uh, go Pats. Yes, sir. Go Pats. Take care, man. <laughs> All right, guys. That was the brilliant Mike Tabata. And uh, it was it was just some real, real good insight. Bobby asked great, great questions. And... It was it was it was just pl- pleasurable, you know, hearing hearing all all wonderful things Patriots, and you know, I'm 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 telling you, I know you would watch it. I know you would watch a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, New England Patriots Super Bowl. I know you would. And if you say you wouldn't, you're a liar. And for anyone who says they wouldn't watch it, would. Be a liar. Because the truth is, Mahomes does have, barring a big injury, he does have 10 more years left. So he will have plenty of, plenty of chances to be in, be in the Super Bowls. So, Mahomes, Mahomes can chill. He, he just got $500 million so he's he's doing all right. He's not uh going going in the poorhouse anytime soon. And uh, you know, I I I think we gotta give the people what we want. You know, you obviously can't get a Chiefs Ravens Super Bowl. You can't see that. Do you really want to see Chiefs Seahawks? Do you really want to see Russell Wilson just make Mahomes wet himself and feel bad? You don't want to see that. Do you want to see Drew Brees whip Mahomes like he stole something? You don't want to see that. Why Why embarrass Mahomes like that? Why do that? So, the, the world needs, especially it's also, it's in Tampa. It's in Tampa. So, the world needs, the world wants Tampa Bay Buccaneers, us in Tampa, me and Bobby with our Pats gear, Julian saying, "Well, it's the Patriots again," and you're just going, "Come on, thirteen hundred on New England, let's go, Cam." You know, I'll I'd get you a nice Cam Newton T-shirt. You know, you'd be repping that T-shirt in those beautiful, beautiful blue and red colors. You know. And uh, I I nah. think that's just a fantastic time. Nah, bro. Nah. Come on, man. You know nah. you want that. You know you want that. You need that. It's 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 aching in your bones. Nah, man. We good. We good. We good. <laughs> well, guys, that was all things Patriots. Again, catch locked on Patriots. Fantastic podcast. And, uh, we'll, we'll pot tomorrow night. Yeah, man. See y'all tomorrow. Peace out, dogs.